Welcome back to our conversation about spiritual practices. If you're just tuning in with us over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to practice the things of God. And if you remember, we debunked the myth that practice makes perfect because that is not entirely true. Practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. We're all practicing something. It doesn't have to be sports, it could be eating habits, sleeping patterns, dating cycles, whatever. And those things that we are doing repeatedly, whether we know it or not, are becoming permanent in our life. So if that is true, that what we are practicing is becoming permanent, it is important that we are consistently asking ourselves two questions. What are you practicing and why are you practicing? Everything we do repeatedly is becoming permanent. So what are you practicing and why are you practicing? For us, what are we practicing? Well, that comes from Philippians 4, where it tells us to practice the ways of Jesus. Why are we practicing? Well, that answer is from 1 Timothy 4. We practice to get close to Jesus and become like Jesus. And that right there is our definition of spiritual practices that we've been going over. Spiritual practices are training in the ways of Jesus in order to get close to Jesus and become like Jesus. So what I want to become permanent about all of our lives is the spiritual practice of rest and solitude. Who's excited? I know, right? I don't know about you, but I used to hate being alone. I was down to hang whenever with whoever at whatever time. From the time I woke up until the time I was ready to go to bed, I wanted to be with my people. I didn't really understand the practice of solitude and thought rest just meant I needed to get eight hours of sleep and go to church on Sunday. But other than that, put me with my people. Now, many of you, you're on the other side of the spectrum and the thought of being around people 24 seven stresses you out. I would say that now I've switched a little bit more to your side where I don't mind venturing into a crowd for a time, but then I'd like to be around my trusted people. And if I don't get my alone time, none of y'all would really want to be around me. But whatever end of the spectrum you fall on, one thing I do know that we all share, we don't want to be lonely. For a young extrovert like me, I I thought to be alone meant that I was gonna be lonely. And yet I wondered why I would be in a crowd of people and still feel alone. Has that ever happened to anyone else? Or then there were those times where I'd get alone and because I feel like I've been around people way too much, and yet the silence still seems to make me feel lonely. What is the answer? Well, I've also tried the other alternative and that's keeping up a constant stream of words and feeds in front of my face, even if they don't actually seem to help. Some of us, you know who you are, constantly have headphones in our ears so that if no one else is around and even if they are, we don't have to be in silence or worse, forced to speak to people. But y'all, isolation or excessive noise do not have to be our only options. You hear me? We can have an inner solitude and a silence that sets us free from loneliness and fear. Because loneliness is emptiness on the inside, but rest and solitude are fullness on the inside. And let me tell you, God wants us to live full lives. Now, in our times when I'm talking about being alone and resting, I'm not talking about Netflix and binge watching and all the memes of canceling plans because you're busy eating a carton of ice cream by yourself, now that I've ever done that. But 
Rest and solitude are actually a God-given and a God-modeled gift to us in order to connect with Him. And the greatest example to look at of why it is important and how to do it is our ultimate hero, Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If you read of the same story in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that Jesus had just been surrounded by crowds that just the night before the whole city is what the scripture says, had gathered at the door of his house where he was healing and freeing many people. That's amazing. I mean, what a holy work, what a good thing he was doing. But then we see him going away again, first thing in the morning while it was still dark to spend time alone in prayer. I believe what Jesus is modeling for us here is a life of holy rhythm. Now, if anyone watching knows anything about music, you know that rhythm, a consistent beat, may be the most important component of good music making. Nowadays, you you might see band members with these. They're like fancy headphones. Now, there are a lot of things that these headphones can do, one of which was break my bank account. Uh, But one of the main ones is they keep everyone on a consistent click, a consistent rhythm in everyone's ears. Literally the whole time that these are in your ears, you'll just hear constant. That way, the drummer, the guitar player, the bassist, the vocalist, whoever else you're composing to uh, have the same rhythm. If not, it would just be chaos. It wouldn't be music. It would just be noise. No one would want to listen to it. Matter of fact, it would probably drive a lot of people pretty crazy. Well, you know what I've discovered about my own life? The more chaotic my life feels, the more confusing my emotions or wild my thoughts, it is probably because at some point I have gotten out of God's holy rhythm. God indeed calls us to community and to work and to being around our friends and our family and to actively bring his good plans to the earth, but he also calls us away to quiet, to calm, to just be alone with him, to solitude. Jesus showed us this. It was the rhythm of solitude, then being surrounded, then solitude, then being surrounded that empowered Jesus to fulfill every good work the Father had planned for him. The work was holy, but the rest and solitude were also holy. Together, they made a holy life. And God even shows us how this was his design from the beginning. If you go back to Genesis and read up on the whole creation story again, but then I want you to slow down and look at the reality of mankind's first full day on earth. It's in Genesis 1 into the beginning of chapter 2, and it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. Did y'all catch that? 
that humanity literally began with a day of rest. It was our very first experience of life on earth with God, a breath of fresh rest. We are made from rest. Rest is holy as part of our design. It is a gift from God. God designed us like this. Jesus lived like this. So we practice it as a sign of our reliance on God and our admittance of our need for Him. If Jesus had to practice getting away and resting, how much more do you and I need it? So here is how we are going to practice this week. Now that we know the theology of solitude and rest, what is it actually and how do we do it well? Because for too long, I just thought it meant I have to sit in silence in my closet and like be weird and bored, but that ain't it at all. This is one of my favorite spiritual practices now, y'all. And so here are my quick tips on how to practice rest and solitude, because ain't no one here trying to tell you to isolate yourself. I'm gonna say that one more time. No one here is trying to tell you to isolate yourself. That is not God's design or God's best. Isolation tells us to hide our true self. Solitude helps us become our true self. Isolation happens in response to fear. Solitude happens as an act to build faith. Isolation tells us to withdraw from relationships. Solitude tells us to withdraw for our relationships. And isolation is our attempt to withdraw completely. Solitude is our practice to withdraw for a time. We don't isolate, we seek holy solitude. So with that in mind, how do we do it? Step one, get alone. Nothing crazy there, that's pretty easy. But seriously, if you cannot bear to be alone for 10, 20, 30 minutes, there is something you are missing about who you are and who God wants to be for you. Go somewhere alone. Maybe this is just in your backyard or a walk around your neighborhood. That's one of my favorites lately. A room in your house that you love, whatever, just get alone, okay? Step two, get quiet. Now, this is more than just not talking, which will be a feat for some of us, but a few ways that I have found helpful for that. First, you just gotta quiet the noise. Like literally, turn your phone off, get away from social media, take your headphones out at least for a little while and just give yourself some time to get used to silence. So often we miss God speaking just because there is too much noise around us all the time. Quiet the noise. And once you've done that, then you can actually quiet the mind. Now this is a harder one. You know how sometimes you just keep talking or you keep music on so you can drown out the thoughts in your head? No, just me. <laughs> well, anyways, there is a quieting that needs to happen inside so that you can truly connect with God. So take some deep breaths. Go for a walk outside, give yourself time. It may take a few minutes for your brain to just stop and slow down. Tell you what, I had an amazing father in the faith tell me once that one of the best ways, y'all, some of y'all are gonna love this, okay? One of the best ways to start your time of solitude is to take a quick nap. Seriously, <laughs> sometimes your mind is just going too fast and too loud and you need, to need a quick reset. So hit a 10 to 15 minute nap so that you can wake up and start fresh. Then. Once you've gotten alone, once you've gotten quiet, go to step three, invite God. The point of rest and solitude is to reconnect with God. Invite Him into this time. Sometimes I will just sit and pray for a few minutes. Sometimes I will sing my favorite worship song. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of both, but God loves to draw near to those who are drawing near to Him. He wants to fill this space you are making for Him, so invite Him. 
Then after you've done all that, the last and final step is just go for it. Listen, this may feel weird at first, but the point here is not to check a box or to adhere to some mold of rest and solitude. The point is to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Think about how different every one of your friendships look, how much you enjoy spending time with each of your friends differently. It's no different with God. It's going to take time to learn what you enjoy doing in your time of rest and solitude with Him. It may look different every time and that's okay. Just go for it. This is meant to be enjoyable and relaxing. So get creative and have some fun with it. I just know God is excited to spend some time with you there because I believe this, we will be able to hear God more clearly in the crowd when we have learned his voice in the quiet. So this week, as we practice together, why don't you go ahead and text PRACTICE to 30303, and we will help you know exactly how to do this all week long. But just know this, and I believe this with my whole heart. Go to God this week, and He will give you rest.